This is Hashtag Authentic, a podcast for creatives, dreamers and entrepreneurs online. I'm your host, Sarah Tasker, a certified coach specialising in creative business and all things related to social media and the digital realm. This is episode number 109. everyone thank you for joining me for this episode today how is it going things here are interesting um some of you might know if you follow me on instagram etc that we are trying to buy a house in france and this week we finally got to a conclusion on the situation with french mortgages and we've decided instead we are just gonna try and buy it outright which is terrifying and mind-blowing and definitely challenging and it's really switched me into this new gear in my mindset around my business where I'm looking now for all the money I've been leaving on the table. For so long I think I've been more than comfortable as a result of this amazing joyful business of mine and because of that it's not really felt like an imperative to push myself or to try new things all that much. Now all of a sudden we have this shared family goal And I have this ridiculous desire for safety and to not feel discomfort that we all have. So now my brain is actively on the job of problem solving that and figuring out how we do this next stage of growth. And it feels so good. It feels so energizing and fun and exciting. And I thought it was worth sharing that with you. We all talk so much about the why, the why of your business. And a lot of the time we feel like our why ought to be some noble pursuit. You know, I'm in this to change the world. I'm in this to empower women. I'm in this to correct injustices. And they're beautiful aims and beautiful goals to have. But also sometimes our goals are just going to be, I want to make my life better. And our whys shift and change all the time in our business. And the only thing that really matters is that it's a why that empowers you, that ignites you, that gets you going. A lot of the time when I ask people about their why, they try and give you that glossy sort of uh, socially acceptable why. Because we all have this shame around wanting money or wanting more or maybe feeling like we're wanting more than our share. And it's taken me a lot of time to work through that, to even be able to share this with you, like the ridiculousness that I am now a human that might have two houses. How is that even possible? That blows my mind as the girl who couldn't pay her rent like 10 years ago. So yes, that's where I'm at. And The good news for you as a listener to this podcast is, of course, when I'm in this season of trying and innovating and failing and then trying again, there's going to be a whole load of new learning for me. And I'm excited to share that with you along the way with my usual combination of super nerdy analysis of every single thing that's worked and hasn't worked. And hopefully also bringing in the guests and the people, the guests and the experts that I meet along the way. So with that in mind, I have a couple of things to tell you about before we kick off today's episode. Number one, the next Insta Retreat is starting very, very soon. But 
for an experiment this time and kind of in response to popular demand, we have offered extended payment plans. So right now you can sign up and get a four month payment plan. That means you can spread the whole cost of the course over four months and that's going to carry on. So next month you'll be able to get three months and then two months, then one month and then we go. So if you want to have a look at that, you just head to my website, meandorla.co.uk and look for the Insta Retreat. The link is there in the show notes. And if you've not heard of the Insta Retreat, it is my tell-all, one-stop, everything you need to know Instagram class. It is not just the strategy. It's not just how to use the features, although we definitely touch upon all of that. But we're also looking at how do you have a relationship with Instagram that's got longevity? How do you figure out what you actually want from this app and how it's going to support your business in a meaningful way? And we look at your relationship with Instagram and why you might not have the most positive feelings about it right now. It is the best it's ever been and it has always got rave reviews from the people who take it. So I'm genuinely just always so thrilled to enroll the class and get started together. You get twice weekly calls with myself. You also get coaching calls, guest lives, all the good stuff. So take a look, the Insta Retreat, you can just Google it or click the link in the show notes if you want to join us. The second thing I am toying with is the idea of adding ads to this podcast, but doing it a little bit differently. So maybe you already listen to some podcasts that have the traditional kind of automatically inserted ads they're recorded by other people they quite often appear in the middle they call them mid-roll ads and they're not all that lucrative for the podcast creator but they're sort of a requirement if you want to work with any of the ad agencies for podcasts in exchange for the more lucrative direct sponsorships where the creator themselves might introduce the product at the beginning I have feelings about mid-roll ads. I don't want to eat my words on this one day, but right now I've resisted it until now. So what I thought maybe would be a more aligned way of bringing the sponsorships in is to extend it to you guys, the listeners, the small businesses, the artists, the creators, and say, do you want to sponsor an episode? Do you want to talk about your business to me and have me share that information with this audience of people who maybe are your customers, maybe are your future clients? And I'm putting together some packages where you can hopefully in an affordable way sponsor a couple of episodes and appear in my newsletter, maybe get a shout out on Instagram, that kind of thing. So that's where I'm at figuring that one out, playing around with it. But I hope whatever I come up with is going to add to your listening experience rather than take away from it. That's always my hope. How amazing would it be to find your next VA or your next favourite shop just by listening to a podcast? I feel like that could be fun. Anyway, I'll keep you posted. And if you have strong feelings, either way, do let me know. You can tweet me, you can email me, you can message me on Instagram. I will see it. And I'm interested to know what you think. It's still, like I said, just something I'm playing with at the moment. So nothing is set in stone. Okay, enough waffle from me. Let me tell you about today's guest. Jamie Vran is a writer and one of this world's most beautiful thinkers, in my opinion. I followed her online for a really, really long time. And I was so excited to see that she has written a book and it's going to be out later this month. So, of course, I used that as an excuse to get her onto the podcast and... I had this whole list of questions of things I thought Jamie and I would talk about, but as it happens, the conversation just kind of flowed out of us and it went in all sorts of different directions instead. So I hope you love what Jamie has to share just as much as I do. 
and you will find links to her book and her social media and everything else we talk about in the show notes and in your podcast app. Okay, here's Jamie. Hello, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good. I'm excited to be talking to you, actually. Me too. I'm so excited. So, book is coming out very soon, right? Yes, April 12th. You feeling good? I'm feeling really good. I mean, I have a little bit of nerves, a little bit of nerves, um, but overall feeling very, very good. Um, Like, I'm just excited, you know, and I... I think I'm really starting to embrace how uncertain it is, like Mm. what's going to happen. And, you know, I keep asking my publisher, I'm like, what happens after it publishes? And they're like, we have no idea. And I'm like, (laughs) cool. (laughs) Thanks for letting me know. Um, So it's been, I have a little bit of nerves. Like I don't have any nerves about people reading it, which is weird. It's just what's going to happen once it's out. And I feel like I'm pretty steady about my expectations that I have them pretty low. Mm. Um, but I don't know, you know, you never know how you're going to feel if like, you're going to, if you have secret expectations (laughs) somewhere in the body that get detonated on April 12th. And you're not number Um, one in the New York times bestseller straight away. And you're like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's probably somewhere in the, (laughs) you know, yeah. Um, so I'm a little bit nervous about that. Like I'm trying to do as much as I can, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't have control. This is a big thing. Um, this is a lot of time and energy that I've put into something. It's like, I, I mean, it's a lot of time and energy from when I got the book deal, but even before that mm. it's, you know, a lot of rejections, a lot of no's, a lot of my self doubt keeping me from doing the thing. So that's something that I've been telling myself a lot. I'm like, if you're afraid and you have fear, it's okay. Like your self-doubt kept you from this for so long because it's scary. Like Mm. this is a scary thing. So if you have self, you know, like that was why I didn't write for a long time was because of this moment when it, you know, what's going to happen. I don't want to get disappointed or I don't want to this or that. And so I've actually, it's been a wonderful practice of grace for myself, um, which has been interesting because I just, I've watched people go through this before, like to, even though I felt for so long that I was like, quote unquote, falling behind, it has actually been such a gift to have been sort of a little bit of a late bloomer Mm -hmm. with this because I watched a lot of people and I understand it, but that that kind of stress and constant anxiety on the book debut year, um, I was just like, that's not going to be available for me. Like, I can't do that. I'd rather not publish a book if I'm going to have to endure that. So I've been very intentional with myself that, you know, I'm like, you don't get to do that. (laughs) And if you'd done it at 25, you wouldn't have known how to have any other option. Oh, of course. I mean, that would have been the only option. (laughs) You probably never would have done it again. That would have been the end. Yeah, because they talk about, you know, they talk about how it's really tough for the second book. Um, So I already have things kind of lined up, um, you know, because the thing that I was really saying to myself before was like, your first book determines whether you're going to be able to write more. Mm. And I was just like, that's not going to be true. It's not helpful thought. No, because it puts too much pressure on it. And I also had to 
make sure that I was really supported. Like, I feel like I'm my own patron. I support myself yeah. with other work. I, I don't even really call it a day job. It's just like, this is what I have to do to be able to buoy myself to do my, the writing that I want to do. Um, and it took me a long time to accept that and let that be okay. That I'm not the kind of person that can be like living off of ramen for a year to get a book out because not only do I do my worst work ever when I'm stressed, mm -hmm. like I'm not, I do not thrive under pressure. I wither and wilter under pressure, <laughs> you know, like I'm like, go back to bed under pressure. So I was like, I have to relieve myself of all of the pressure, all of the expectation for me to ever be able to get a book out into the world. Um, and recognizing that took a significant amount of emotional awareness. Um, and, but when I noticed that for myself, I was like, here we go. That's, that's what unlocked it. And so that doesn't, and now that doesn't mean like, I'm going to weigh myself down with so many expectations now that it's about to come out. It's like, I keep that intention and know that also there's a lot of ways for a book to be successful that doesn't have to do with like the New York times bestseller Absolutely. or these types of things. Like there's a lot of ways for a book to do a lot of beautiful things in the world. And I don't have to, I've also had a good amount of those like status mm. symbol things that I'm like, they don't do it what you they what you no, think they're gonna do. It's a to lie, isn't it? I feel so cheated. <laughs> I know. You've had that before too. Absolutely, yeah. And and then actually for me, what's been interesting is during the pandemic, a lot of those things that I sort of relied on for external validation, external metrics of success, like the big speaking events and things like that, dried up. And I went into crisis, even though they never helped me in the first place, not having them was still unhelpful somehow. It was like the worst of both worlds. All right. Yeah, exactly. It's like you want this thing because it's supposed to make you happy. And then when you get the thing, you're not happy. And you're like, what's, but then you're like, well, what else is there? Because I have to keep pushing to get the thing yeah. because this is what they've told me is important. And it's like, that makes my head spin, but that's the cycle. I mean, I write about this in radically content in my book, a lot of like, I call them unwinnable games, um, where it's like, you're trying to prove that you're good enough, but then good enough is so vague. No one can ever prove it. And so we're just in this cycle of like, well, am I good enough yet? But there's no definition. So how do I know? Yeah. So then I'll just keep striving and then I'll keep hustling but then how do I know? And when is enough? And am I good enough yet? And it's like, there's actually no way to know if you're good enough. I just stopped trying to be good enough. Like, I don't think my book is the best book that's ever been written in the history. Of, you know, like everybody says, like, everybody wants to write the great American, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I could care less. <laughs> like, I just want people to read it and get something out of it. You know, I mean, I, and that isn't to say I have like no ambition. I probably have so much ambition but it's just put in the right place, I guess, where it's things that are actually going to bring me joy. Like I'm focused on, you know, instead of these like big moments, I'm like, I just want to know what sentence someone really resonates with mm. in the book, you know, like what really hits them and what really like 
changes the trajectory of where they were going and how are they interpreting this and, you know, things like that, where I'm like, like, that's very tangible to me. You know, like I like something that feels doable and tangible that I can get excited about versus like, I hope I get picked for this thing that other people say is good to get picked for. Yeah, that's that's judged by an amorphous panel of people who you will never have any real life connection with. It's yeah. it's very different in terms of kind of the human connection, I suppose. Right. I mean, and I think we get really caught up in that. And I'm not saying if something happens where I get one of those, I'll be excited about it for sure. But I'll also know, I think this has been the lesson of the past few years for me, because I felt the same way with the pandemic. A lot of the things that I had been deriving some worth from, they really did kind of go away. And Mm. I, and a lot of the like the productivity and the, um, oh, and also just like having that future plan. Like I had the plan, right? And then I recognized, I was like, so there's no plan. (laughs) I'm like, there cannot be a plan. Like it it felt really harmful. At first it was like, maybe I could, you know, when, when LA went into lockdown in April, 2020, we were like, oh, it'll be two weeks. It was. Uh, we were the same. Everyone, it was two weeks to save the NHS, and then it was going to be over. And here we are, three years later. <laughs> yeah, I know. So that really, I was like, so my relationship with uncertainty has got to change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I am not doing well with this, and I didn't even know uh, until then. I didn't even know how much I was putting on the future, how much I was like one day when I get this, like I thought I had really done a lot of that work. And I, I definitely had, which is probably why I was able to notice it. So, um, Mm. it was so obvious because I was really stuck in that one day, one day, like everything was like the present moment was never as good as the future thing that I thought I was going to get. And it really made me change that thinking just out of sheer necessity because for the first six months or so, I was so, I was not okay. You know, like I was so stressed. I was so anxious. I thought I was going to fall behind. It's like, we're all in this, but I'm the one falling behind, you know? It's like, mm. I, just me alone. I'm the one. <laughs> Everyone else is, is a mask manufacturer who's become a billionaire <laughs> right. and then there's you. Exactly. Exactly. Somehow people know how to sew and they're great. They're (laughs) killing it out there. (laughs) Just me alone. I'm just, you know, out here dying or something, but it's just like, it's so nuts that I, and I really had to change this idea that like one day is going to save me. And that took some time. But when I did, I was like, what is there here in the present moment for me that I'm not giving myself or not noticing and not seeing through a different lens. Like if all I have is this day, like how am I pushing myself to the, to the future? Um, and like waiting for that to happen, you know, like speaking of a book release, you know, I don't, I'm not, it's not April 12th yet. I don't want to live in that day Mm. for so long. I'm living in this day. Like I'm enjoying this conversation. I, and this feels valuable and 
joyful to me in this moment, not like I'm doing this for that day because this, it's like, I like this. I enjoy this. And I'm doing this because I enjoy talking about these things. I I like you. I like talking about, I like talking to people. Um, And so it's been very important for me because of so much with the pandemic that got put on hold. I really felt like I need to find all the joy that I can in the moment and let that be enough. And then whatever comes in the future, like it's just going to have to be like these things are just going to have to be like the cherry on top because otherwise I recognized I was like, I was living my whole life in the future for that Mm -hmm. one day. And then it shows up. And like we were saying, it really has the reason why it doesn't feel the way that we think it's going to feel is because we have so much pressure on it. And yeah, the expectation, the expectation. And also it's like. So say one of those big moments happens every, will even be, I won't even be conservative, but every six months. It's okay. So you have six months of like stored up joy, (laughs) you know, like you've been (laughs) neglecting yourself. You haven't been having any joy. You haven't been present. It's like six months of a lot of days that have passed in sacrifice and struggle. This. And then that day comes where you get this thing and you're like, whoo, this has got to make up for those past six months. That's got to, that's got to really do it. It's like, it's basically like saying you get one little morsel of chocolate every six months. So hold it under your tongue for as long as possible to draw it out and then hope that it doesn't melt, which we know it will in like two seconds. And then we're like, that's it that's all you get back to the struggle, back to the drawing board, get back in there, like make it hard, hard work, keep going. And it's like, what I, I, when I woke up to that, I was like, this is a joke, right? (laughs) (laughs) Like I've been living this way completely unconsciously and thinking that I was like, ambitious and a boss and all of this. I was like, successful. This is how we know we're successful. Yeah. I like, I think people, I think we've been taught that, you know, you're successful almost because like you're miserable most of the time, but like you have a lot of things that other people are impressed by. It's like, I mean, when I, I just have no, like when I see something that's coming my way and I feel like the only joy of it is because other people will think it's impressive. I'm like, no, thank you. If it's not going to benefit me, I'm out. That really hit me actually in the book when you said that. I don't know if anyone's ever said it in quite such a direct way before where like our our aim is that other people are impressed or feel slightly inferior because they look at our lives and compare. And that's how we feel good about ourselves. (laughs) Like what a messed up dynamic. Right, right. Like we do it all the time. Like even, and I talk about this in the book, like even things like, you know, with relationships, like, well, at least I'm not, don't have that marriage. And like, uh, mine's at least better than that. And it's like, it feels good. But first of all, what about the person you're saying that about? Ouch. (laughs) And then it's like, then we're on the ladder. So I talk about this a lot in the book of which, you know, is like the hierarchies. And we don't even realize we're doing it that like so much of what we think makes us feel good is somehow being like a rung higher Mm. than someone else on the ladder. And it's like, it's embedded. 
in our language. It's once you notice it, I'm almost like, sorry, but like once you notice it, you cannot not notice it. It is Mm -hmm. everywhere. These like, I'm at least better than this. And I'm a little, but uh, okay, I'm better than this at least. And I'm better than that and better than that. And at least I don't have those issues. And at least I'm not that. And at least that. And it's like, these are all judgments. These are all judgments that don't actually feel that good because you know what happens too is like we do that and then perfect example in like relationships. Okay, we say, well, at least I'm not like that. Okay, then your your relationship maybe goes through a tough season and you are like that. Now you're judging yourself. You have no compassion for yourself. And now you're really stuck in what are other people going to think because you created that pathway that what other people think of your own life, of your own relationship, of your own career, all these things matters more than what you think. And like every time we do certain things like this, there's a cost. Like every time I am comparing myself to someone's career and pull them down, like, oh, well, they're not a good writer and they're Mm. not really that good. Oh, their stuff is kind of simple and mine is this or this or this whatever things I think are going to make me feel good in the moment, there's always a cost to that because then I wield those same words on myself. Yes. And when I, when I saw that, I was like, Oh no, like those things are so powerful. Like that is not going to like, I now have to find new ways to make myself feel that I am, you know, doing well for myself, you know, that like I, you know, I have to be more rooted in like, this is my path and whatever is happening to someone else. It's not my concern. Like they're, they're on their path. Also like this whole thing of being jealous for someone when they're having the kind of like quote unquote success that you want. It's like, why don't they get to have their moment? How entitled are we to, you know, it's like, do you need the spotlight all the time? And I'm, I, I say that to myself. I don't say that as like a condemnation to other people. It's like, yeah, but it's a, a poignant question to, to kind of put to yourself. Yeah. Like how much of the moment, like, why don't they get to have their moment? They've, they've been, they've been doing their thing. They've been putting their work out there. They've been, I mean, that's wonderful. Yeah. It's, I wonder how much as well it's because we feel like there's only so much of the pie to go around. Which, you know. It, I, that is true. I, I think there is, um, you know, we have time is limited with people. Attention is limited. Um, and that can be hard to grapple with, but I think the answer isn't let me pull someone else down or like mm-hmm. not let them have what, you know, not let them have their joyful time, their joyful moment And also just like taking away some of the pressure of like, you know, with Radically Content, I, I loved writing that book so much. Like it was one of the most transformative experiences for me of recognizing how much I could infuse joy into something that used to really make me suffer and plague me, you know, like looking at that, like all of my twenties looking at that blank page, I was like, I cannot handle this blinking cursor. Just like, you know, torturing me. Like I was really in that like suffering artist mentality. 
And when I just, when I wrote radically content, I had all these intentions before I wrote it of like, this will be joyful. And I knew because I was like, I have to love this process. I need to get something out of this. Otherwise, what I'm going to try to get out of this is how it's received by others. And that's going to hurt me. So I need to be so present with this process. I need to see it as the privilege that it is that I get to like, I have time and space to write a book. Someone paid me to write a book. I mean, that's incredible. There are so many people who don't get that opportunity. I'm going to feel somewhat humbled by that too, that that's available to me and that I have this time and space to do it. And I'm going to take that seriously. I'm not going to make that make me guilty. I'm going to take that as like reverence and I'm going to honor that I got this opportunity to write this book. And I'm also not going to write a book called Radically Content and be miserable writing it. Yes. <laughs> and not practice what you're preaching. Exactly. You know, I couldn't write a book called Radically Content without practicing that. Like I, I had to, I also believe that there's an energy that comes through with the words yes. like uh, that kind of relieved me of some of the pressure for every sentence to be perfect because I believe that like there's something embedded in in your in what you write and so people are going to read the words but they're also going to feel what you're feeling especially when it's nonfiction. I mean fiction might I think is a little different but then again I feel people when I read fiction too like I can feel mm. that they were so I can feel when a book was done in the flow and I can feel when it was done in the struggle. And that doesn't necessarily mean one is bad or one is good, but it's just, I can tell. And, um, with this book, especially with a book called radically content, I was like, you're going to have to rise to, you know, you got to be radically content while writing this, not in a shove things away. Cause my book is not like, be positive and be happy mm. no matter what. It's like being content is like you acknowledge all of your feelings. You have grace and compassion and love for yourself and you meet yourself exactly where you are and then build from that place and continue to meet yourself at new stages of growth and healing and, and all of that. And so I told myself, I was like, this has really got to be a joyful process, not only because it's a book called Radically Content, but also because I want to extract something from this that has nothing to do with how the external world really does, like yeah. how they interpret this or how it's received. Um, because I found that, that that's really, really important that I can look back and go, my part of this, which was the writing, was so joyful and fun and challenging and all the things that I had always wanted it to be. So I've got it. Like I got what I wanted out of it. And so I didn't have to, um, you know, go any further than that. And I also, that relieves some of the pressure for me to feel like this has to do something in the world. Otherwise, what was it for? Like if I struggled through it, it would have yes. to give me, well, yeah, like how people receive it would, it would have to give me so much. And I'm like, I can't do that to myself, you know, cause it's that ends justifying the means is how you put it in the book, which I thought was just the perfect way of phrasing it. Right. Like if the, the means is misery. 
the end is going to have to be something way, way beyond anyone's expectations to make it worth it. Yeah. And we get that. I think we get that dialogue and that narrative a lot of this was so worth it. And it's like, Mm. maybe it is, but a lot of people, it isn't, you know, and we're all different. So that's, that's something that, you know, in, in the book, it's like, I, I think that this book is for people who that way of being just doesn't work for them. They're not happy. So some people, like some people, they are totally happy in that hustle, the grind, all of that, that gives them maybe, you know, I don't know. I can't tell that, but some people can really, um, you know, find a lot of fulfillment from that. But I think a lot of us don't, you know, like I love to work. I love to do creative things, but I also very much love to not work. (laughs) (laughs) And you're allowed to love both of those things and choose them, which is kind of mind blowing to a lot of us. I think that the whole like capitalism industrialization has done such a number on our collective mindset and it sneaks into so many areas. I got into like a semi argument with someone on Reddit the other day because I said humans like if you look at kind of like isolated tribes where they still do hunter gathering like they spend a good chunk of the day just resting and napping because we're mammals and that's what mammals do and they were so angry that I'd said this that I wasn't acknowledging that we should all work 12 hours a day and we were biologically supposed to like people feel like their whole being is tied up in that productivity oh Absolutely. They don't even realize it like that. Their whole identity is like, and it's sort of like, it's like you've drank the Kool-Aid. Like they told you that they wanted you to conform and be productive and give up like that. We should normalize that we get like one hour of leisure time a day. Yeah. And, and in that leisure time, we should definitely be stressing about having that leisure time (laughs) and exercising and eating five fruits and vegetables and drinking eight pints of water. Right. And that's, that should make you happy. And if it doesn't, it means you're not working hard enough. So keep working. It's like, I'm sorry, what? It's, it's like the people who, um, defend the billionaires. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Like you're not a billionaire, you know, like it's someone who's working like a, like a very average job that they're like getting, probably getting exploited for their labor, which is like its own thing. And they're like, no, like billionaires, they created something that was really like, you know, I I think like Elon Musk, he deserves to be a billionaire. He did something really good with the electric cars. And it's like, (laughs) what do you care, man? Like, are you setting yourself up for your future as a billionaire? Like, (laughs) I mean, it's kind of, it's like Stockholm syndrome where you fall for your captor and you start to sympathize with them. That's how it feels to me. I don't know if that's a bit extreme, but I relate to it so much. And then when you talk about it in relation to like diet culture and food, exact same traps where we're the victims of it, it makes us miserable and yet we fight to keep it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, well, I mean, if if we're going based on you know, why that is, it's because we are so, so obsessed with having status. And 
in, especially with like diet culture, people don't realize maybe that like being thin is a certain kind of like social status. Mm. And again, here's the hierarchies. If I'm thin, at least I'm a little bit better Mm. than people who are not thin. And so I can grab at that kind of social status because our self-esteem from when we, from when we grow up, we, it's not embedded. Like it's not something that's a given. So what we, what we then interpret that as is I have to earn my self-esteem, meaning I have to earn my worth and value. And so how do you earn it? Okay. Let me look at what's the idealized thing. Mm. Maybe I can't be rich, but I can be thin. Or maybe I can't be thin, but I can be rich and ultra productive. And maybe I can't be a billionaire, but at least I can support the system where I'm on top because maybe I'm white. And that, Mm. like all these things that are like, we think it's because of identity or we're just like motivated and we like, you know, it's good to take care of your body and it's good to yeah, make- we're just we're just worried about people's health that's what they like yeah, to say oh, we're just concerned for you it's like <laughs> no actually your concern is making you feel better about yourself because when you're when you believe you're in the position of telling someone what to do you have a little bit of power over them yes and also because you've built this cage for yourself of rules and you've lived your whole life maybe starving yourself, denying yourself. So when you meet someone who's not lived by those rules and has created a different life for themselves, like you said earlier, it's so affronting. Judgmental people are always the ones who are most cruel to themselves because the list of rules that you have to follow becomes overwhelming. Exactly. And they say, here I am like, especially within the container of bodies, like here I am starving myself, obsessing over my body because I think it's supposed to make me happy. And now you've cheated. You're happy not doing that. You're happy and you're not obsessed. How dare you? Yes. It's like a cheating. And you know, I don't blame the person. I blame the system. Yes. So That's something that I really had to make sure with Radically Content because, you know, I think a lot of self-help books, and I don't know that I even call this self-help because it's a tricky term that I think has Mm. been used in a lot of different ways. Like, I don't want to be anyone's guru. I'm not into that. Um, But I, but in writing this, I was like, I cannot place all the blame on the individual. Like so many self-help books that I read where it's like, it's all up to you. It's all on you. And it's like, true. Okay. So once you have the full view of what's happening, it is on you. But what's part of the full view is recognizing that like, if you don't like yourself, that's the system working. Like Mm. if you are obsessed with diet and productivity culture, that's the system working perfectly for you. So like, don't blame yourself for falling into things that are like, I mean, there are meetings that happen with like hundreds of people, all the psychologists, all the marketers, all these data, everything to make sure people are falling in line exactly the way that they want them to fall in line. Absolutely. And we're just one person who's already run 
ragged trying to just survive in this world and we're expecting ourselves to be strong enough to constantly see through that and never be sucked in it's just not a realistic expectation yeah and the part of the system too is saying if you feel bad that's on you yeah like it's it must be your weight okay it must be that you're not doing enough it must be that you're you're kind of poor oh it must be it's probably kind of your skin color it's your sexuality it's all these things like it's not us the ones in power deciding all of these things are good, bad, completely uh, like arbitrary that we've created value systems and hierarchies and all of this stuff. It's you. There's something wrong with you actually. And then when people have like mental health problems, it's like, it's still something wrong with you. (laughs) You know, it's (laughs) Oh my God. Like, I mean, no wonder, no wonder. And I, I think this is something I really wanted to show in sort of a gentle way of like, this isn't actually all on you. Like you've been taught to think this way and you've been taught to see yourself this way. And anytime you try to change it, you think it's you and you think you just maybe don't have enough willpower or you're just not good enough or you're just not this. Or you're too lazy or yeah. And it's just like, that can be applied to anything. Like imagine like, I mean, that's a perfect word because who among us wants to be thought of as lazy? Like that's the whole thing. And yet I feel like in a lot of more like uh, less like capitalist types of countries, like in, like in Europe, you know, you have the French, mm. like, I don't think the French really care that much about being lazy. Definitely no. the Italians don't, that's for sure. They're like embrace like sitting around (laughs) it's like because lazy has like for us anyway this moralistic Mm -hmm. like pang to it I actually don't even believe laziness exists this is an argument another argument I get into with people on the internet but I don't think it's a real thing I think it's it's just a label we've come up with for when we don't like how someone is taking their rest oh my god I mean I love these like reddit (laughs) <laughs> the reddit debates that you get into which... because is a cat lazy because it sleeps all day or is it just a cat mm-hmm. i mean go to the zoo yes the zoo is probably a little problematic but go to the zoo because you're probably not going on a safari and like see how many of the animals are sitting around all day like even in a safari even at anywhere like i mean and i'm i personally i i feel like you know, with the way that probably our brains have adapted, total idleness is not is not great. You know, I think no. people we do get. I mean, that's when our like brains sort of can turn against us, like because they're thinking too much. I mean, I think we have mm. we have evolved our brains to a point where like total idleness can be really tricky, but then we also can't push it to the point where like, like even when I talk about like, you're not a robot, this one, I will never forget this comment. Someone responded to that. And she was like, she was like, I'm a engineer, like I'm a computer systems engineer or something. And she was like, even machines need rest. Like we need to reboot them. We need to turn them off. They need to rest for the night. Like we can't even push a machine to constant output. Like it'll just burn out. Like a literal machine burns out. (laughs) So it's like, 
So what are we trying to be? Like, we're more productive than a machine? <laughs> it's wild. It is wild. But it's so... It's only wild when you take it out like this and put it on the table in front of you and actually look at it. And the rest of the time, it's just running quietly in the background of your head. All of these thoughts that we wouldn't, we never chose, they were just given to us. And I feel like the the message of the book is like, decide if you want to keep these in your head because they're maybe not helping you. Uh, exactly. Well said. It's, I I hoped that the book was a very, I'm just letting you know. That this is yes, yes. happening, you know, like, and, and there are many times in the book where I'm like, if, if you want to keep going for it like this, you know, go ahead. But here's an alternate thing, you know, like I used to be ultra productive to the point where, yeah, I had that big gap. If I tried to make that chocolate last a full year under my tongue, like I loved mm. that. I wanted that so much. I thought that that was how it made it really worth it. And it justified my harshness to myself. And I thought, I'm just like my own worst enemy. And I kind of like held that as a badge of honor and, and, yeah. and like, oh, okay, I can't love my, myself. I'm not good enough yet. Like that would just be lying to myself. That's delusional. And like, I delusion, that's the word, that's the word that comes up whenever you talk to people about this is I don't want to delude myself. Right. Like. Okay, but maybe this whole thing of like being able to earn your goodness and your worth is the true delusion. Yes, that's that's exactly it. It's the true because it's never happened for anyone ever. Like this week that we're talking, one of the like the drummer from the Foo Fighters has died and it looks like it's going to be an overdose of multiple substances. Will Smith just attacked Chris Rock on stage at the Oscars. Like these are people who have it all they have the list of things that are supposed to make us happy and they don't seem happy yeah I mean I live in LA so I definitely have that perspective of seeing these types of people who you think have it all and that is to say that the, the thing is isn't that they're not happy it's just they're just like anyone else that's it where they have things, you know, take a Will Smith. It's like, he's obviously, to me, I, I saw that and I was like, he's, he has enough good, like good faith that he has brought to the public eye. Like, I think he's a really good person and has proven that mm -hmm. over and over. But I like, I look at that and I'm like, he has hit his limit in being disrespected yeah. over and over. Like he really must've hit some sort of limit with himself that like, because you look at it and you're like, no amount of award achievement or anything can like, can really, you know, make you feel anything about yourself. You know, like he, yes. he was like, I don't care if I've got an award, I can't be disrespected this way because your award is not making up for it this. It doesn't heal it. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't heal it. So it's like, that's the true delusion is that all of these things are somehow going to add up to some time in our life in some future that's completely unpromised to us. And, and it's going to click in and we're going to go, now I've put enough out into the world and I've done enough that I feel worthy. It's like the, the actual thing is that you have to feel that completely unconditionally. And that's the basis of radically content is like your worth, 
your value, how good enough you are, all these things are completely unconditional. You just feel them. You love yourself regardless, regardless of anything. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to be a certain body. You don't have to have a certain amount of accolades behind you. Nothing. You just love yourself because that's what you deserve. In the way that we love a newborn baby, like there's never any question of, well, this baby's not really earned anything yet. Like we just accept it's worthy and we love it. But then as it grows, we start to have these expectations of like, well, she can't read yet. And, you know, other kids her age are washing the dishes. Why isn't she? And we start to add all those layers. Exactly. Exactly. It's like then all of a sudden, and then we do it to ourselves. And so that was another thing that I recognized what was I was like, okay, so they can tell me, you know, this, this amorphous they, um, they can tell me what to believe and how to value myself. I don't have to take it on as my truth, like as has the way that I live. And I think people hear that and they go, wow, what are you like living off the grid of society? It's like, I am the least living off the grid person. I am very online. I'm very like, I'm achieving things I'm doing. I'm right now, currently every single dream that I've ever had is either happening or in progress. And I am doing that with my worth and value completely not contingent on the way any of this goes. Which is mind blowing, by the way, because (laughs) all the rest of us, I'm speaking for everyone, I suspect here, we're just using shame to get there. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I've done that. Oh, I mean, I've done that for a long time was it was like shame. There's a whole chapter in my book called shame is motivation or shame is not motivation. Yeah. I underlined a lot in that chapter. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like, that's a whole part. That's a whole chapter. <laughs> and, and as you say in that chapter, like the reason so many of us are hooked on it is because it kind of works. Short term, it works. That's the thing. It does work. It's not sustainable. No, and it, it, it does work because there is a lot that we'll do to outrun our shame. And what I mean, mm. and what I would like to say to people who haven't read the book yet is like, meaning that okay, if you feel shame about your body, this is a perfect vehicle to express this. It's like, if you feel shame about your body, you'll exercise and um, restrict how you eat. Like to a certain extent, you'll do it. Because, or I mean, mean, if you get to that point where you're like, all right, now I have to do something about Mm. this. Because the shame is so intensely uncomfortable. Yeah, and so you'll- drives us. Exactly, like you'll do it because you're like, well, I mean- I hate my body. So this is the only logical thing is like, let me change my body. Cause it doesn't, it doesn't really come to us as maybe I need to change my mind about how I view my body. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I can change this. I can get, you know, if I get into a smaller clothes size, that gives me something da, 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 da. and it will change how everyone else thinks about me. Yep. And I am responsible for the thoughts of the whole world. So exactly, I am. I need to eat less. Exactly, I I am at the beach, and I am responsible for how everyone feels <laughs> yeah. about me right now and how I look. You know, yeah. I'm just gonna take that on. Exactly. Let me just. I will take that burden on. Thank you. <laughs> this is an honor to take this on. Um, <laughs> you know, and and it works for a bit. You know, we're like, okay, yeah, we're at the gym. We're doing it. 
like, and we're, and we're on Instagram or Twitter. We're complaining about the gym. Oh, oh, I gotta go to the gym. And then, oh, like, oh, I miss ice cream and it's a whole identity and da, 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 da. And then it might work for a bit. And then what happens is you get to the weight that you thought was going to be the thing that takes away the shame. And then the shame is still there. And you're like, oh no. And then we think, well, I'm still not going to look at this shame. I now need to lose more weight. That's the thing. And then, oh, I need to achieve this thing. Oh, and I see this person on Instagram is posting like, okay, so I got to do that. And now I got to do that. And all of a sudden we're all over the place. And it's like, the real thing was just to be like, sit with yourself and look at this shame, look at the root of it, pull it out. Cause the thing that I always talk about with shame is like, we feel shame for feeling shame. So we keep it really buried deep when in actuality, the thing shame absolutely doesn't want from us is for us to look at it because it does not like the daylight. It does not like the daylight. It's like a vampire. And it is like a vampire. That's a good <laughs> it way to sucks you dry. It yeah. sucks you dry. And it doesn't like to be exposed to daylight. <laughs> or to look in the mirror. Yeah, it, exactly. Like it lives in the shadows. It makes us, it also distorts reality. It makes us think like we can't even see our body clearly for what it is, for example. Like we can't, it distorts it. So we don't look mm. at mirrors because we don't, want to look at our body and all of this. Like I lived in that, like literally 10 years. I was a, I was a head in the back of a picture of a group picture. Don't Mm -hmm. show me, don't do this. Or I was just not in the picture. Like I just didn't want to be seen nothing. Um, and once I started bringing that shame into the light, like now, if I feel shame, which is pretty few and far between, which is absolutely amazing. I'm just like, let me uproot this thing. Like I need to get this out. I don't, I can't like, I can't stand it. It feels like I know how uncomfortable it is to pull it up, but I'm like, it's, it's more uncomfortable to let the shame take root inside me and then start because the shame makes decisions for us too. Yeah. The shame makes you go and eat so you can not feel the shame. Yeah. And then we're in the shame. uh, You get more shame. Yeah. It's like, and so, you know, when I, when, like with the body, yeah, it's like the perfect example there is like, we're not going to earn the body that's going to make us feel less shame. Because I will tell you, I've had a lot of private conversations with people who have the bodies that we're all supposed to want. And the shame is not gone until they look at the shame. They, it is not a comfort then to look at the body and say, because honestly, I mean, a lot of people, I think a lot of us have that body dysmorphia where even if we're, even if other people are like "Mm, skinny mini, you know, which is, I hate that term. Oh my God. But (laughs) like makes me cringe, but, um, they don't even feel that like people like that, you know, I have a friend who our bodies could not be any different. And she had to deal with like her shame around, you know, her eating disorder and, you know, being in Hollywood and all of this stuff. So it's like, no one gets away with it. And so to think that like, we are just the exceptions to the rule that like, no, but I have to lose the weight. Yeah. And it's, and then, but then I'll also say, if you get to, to that point where you really 
can see and appreciate your body for what it is. And then you want to like change how your body looks and you Mm. approach it from a totally different perspective of like, well, now this might feel like honoring myself, not shaming myself, but honoring myself. It's like, it takes on a different meaning and nobody is saying you have to do that. But if you get to that point and you're able to really listen to your genuine desires, it's like, all right, then go about it that way. Like you'll probably, you know, go about looking at the way that you eat with more intention and you'll probably end up doing exercise. You don't hate, but exercise you actually like that makes you feel good. Because you can't hate yourself better is I guess what we're saying. And I I hear it so often when I'm coaching that we're afraid to let go of the shame because we think it's the only thing standing between us and like the abyss of our worst fears. Uh, We're like, if I didn't hate myself, then I would just eat all the donuts or like whatever that thought is. And yet I do, I'm with you academically. I a hundred percent agree that it's counterproductive. And the more we try and like hate ourselves thin, the more we need to escape that feeling and maybe go and eat. But how do you actually drop the shame? Like, what does that process look like for you? I mean, the mo uh, for me, it's, it's the journal. At, yeah. Well, it started with the journal. Now I'm to the point where like, I can literally do a 20 minute voice memo about shame and send it to a friend and be like, I'm done. <laughs> like it's that, yeah. You know, um, I, I think that I'm to that point where like, I don't want to carry shame with me I, where I'm going. My shame does not get to go with me. So, um, and if it comes up, I just have to look at it. But initially it really had to do with the journal. Like I had to be honest with myself first and foremost Um, And I I will remind people that a journal, no one's going to read it. Like you can literally write in your journal and then tear the pages up and throw them into a fire. Like it doesn't need to live anywhere. Like that's the thing about shame where we're just like, it's, it's not the glue holding anything together. It's actually the thing preventing you from actually seeing what you truly want. And I can say that I was very afraid of letting go of the shame for the reasons that you just mentioned, Um, thinking that that was the beginning of me falling into the laziness um, Mm. abyss and the laziness and no productivity and no achievement, nothing abyss. And it did the complete opposite. It made me more, I am now much more intentional about my health. I am much more intentional with my time. I am now achieving things because of a true desire of bringing that forth, not because I'm trying to prove my past self wrong or prove anything to anyone. Like it really provides you as much safer foundation because the thing with shame is that it makes us really fragile. Yeah. Like we can't, you know, this whole conversation about being triggered, like, okay, Absolutely. PTSD, like victims of assault, all of this, there's something very real about being triggered. Okay. But this whole thing of like every tiny little comment someone might make that's in the corner of some internet of a person that has like 10 (laughs) followers that doesn't even have a picture and I'm triggered. And it's like, this is because shame makes us really fragile. It doesn't make, it doesn't Mm. strengthen us. 
it makes us vulnerable. It makes us so vulnerable because we don't want to look at it. And so we don't want anyone to point it out. And we don't want a comment that's going to bring us, um, you know, something that's going to, we're just like, we don't realize how much in service of shame we're living when we have so much shame. So my, if you don't want to do the journal, it's just initially like all my, my, my first step in like everything, people want some like real practical, like one, two, three. But the first Mm -hmm. step is like, you got to notice, you got to be brave enough to notice what is coming up in your mind. You don't have to do anything about it yet, but you have to notice how you're speaking to yourself. You have Mm -hmm. to notice how you're viewing yourself and through what lens. And you have to learn the best way to get on the other side of shame and judgment, because a lot of these things, shame is really born from judgment when we judge ourselves for, you know, how we interpret things, you know, okay, if I'm laying on the couch at 3pm, it's like, I'm judging myself for being lazy. And therefore, yeah. that's going to cause shame, because then I'm going to like all the things that we think that that means. Yeah. And all stories, all the stories, all the stories that we tell ourselves, versus the best way, you know, a lot of people say, um, you know, love, they're like, Oh, instead of judgment, use love, love, love. It's like, you know, to go from loathing and shame and judgment, all the freaking way to love, that's a long <laughs> road, you know, like it's just it's a leap. <laughs> yeah. It's a real big leap. Like if you can't do that, I get it. You know, like that's how, when I talk about like self-love for someone to go from like true, like they've been taught to hate themselves all the way to love. It's like, there are some steps in between. (laughs) And and I think the step from like shame, loathing, all of this, um, the step is like curiosity, get curious with ourselves where, you know, instead of it's the tone, like, so instead of like, what's wrong with me? Why am I like, feeling this way. I'm just on the couch at 3 PM. Like I'm not doing anything, you know, like what, but like, Oh, you're this, you're this, you're this. It's like the, the curious voice goes, what's coming up for me. Why am I feeling this way? Like, why, why am I being so hard on myself? Where is this coming from? What, what is this voice? Like, is this my voice? Whose voice is this? Like, why am I doing this to myself? You know, And it becomes like, you don't have to regard yourself with compassion and kindness quite yet, because that's a big leap. It's a big leap, Mm -hmm. like to go from being so hard on yourself straight to like, compassion and like, I love myself, it feels like you're lying to yourself, which is hard to build trust with yourself when you're straight up lying to yourself. So that curiosity is a bridge. It's the bridge because it allows you to take the same questions, but turn them into a much different kind of tone and the best, because no one's going to be able to tell you how, what your life is going to look like on the other side of shame and self-loathing and self-hatred and all of this. It's going to look like what it's going to actually look like the life that you're like truly, truly in line with, because it's not going to have all this clutter on top of it of like societal expectations and, you know, parents and trauma, all of this, Mm. it's going to look like you're going to be able to have a clearer connection with yourself 
um, and be more in alignment, like it actually feels more clarifying. Like now the way that I like on the internet, I'm not, don't care if people say things that bug me or like, you know, if someone has like some fat phobic thing to say, I'm like, I feel bad for you. <laughs> like genuinely. Like that's, that's the place that we all want to be is detached enough to know that that's their shit. Yeah. And it's hard to, it is hard to do. I mean, you know, I, I think that it takes some time, but I also think that, you know, it's a big reason why I wrote radically content. It's a big reason why I do the work that I do is because I'm just trying to present a different option. Like, I don't want to tell you how to live your life, what to think we've, we've had enough of that. We've yeah. had enough of people telling us how to think about ourselves. Like, I don't even want anyone to say like, stuff like, you know, just like all bodies are beautiful. Like, Oh my God. Okay. Like I get it. You know, like it's another thing of telling us how to see ourselves and yeah, it's ourselves. another rule. Right. And it's like, I want to know myself. I don't want to know. I don't want to know myself because I've been coddled to, and you know, now, now because it's like popular to like be inclusive, it's like, now I should like myself. It's like, I, I don't need that. You know, like, and it's cool if the world wants to evolve. Like, I'm down for that. I'm not saying, like, let's go back to, you know, hmm. let's not progress. But I think maybe what we don't realize we're really trying to build is, like, that emotional strength within where it's, like, I can read something that doesn't, that, like, is not particularly kind and I don't, it doesn't have to like take over my whole day or like, yeah. I can compare myself to someone and like, just be able to recognize like, oh, okay, this is coming up. So let's not keep this going. Let's not try to tear her down because she's got something. No, I'm just going to recognize that like everyone's on their path. Everyone's doing their thing. Um, Cause I, I don't want to like create these stories any longer where I'm better than someone else or my shame. If I have shame, I need to prove it wrong through action and mm. all of these different things and try to like achieve because, you know, it's, it's going to give me something that I don't, can't give myself. And, you know, I tell people, cause you know, they're like, what about people who are like skeptical of being content? I'm like, well, I mean, here's the thing. If you kind of let all this go, you, so you're doing all of these things. You think the body is going to make you happy. You think the achievement is going to make you happy. You think all of this is going to make you happy and shame-free and pain-free and all of that. Okay. So let that all go. And then if you're left with contentment where you are just happy with where you're at, you feel good about where you're at. And you never want to do another thing. Well, great. Awesome. <laughs> like you're already happy. So like, I don't think you, yeah. you know, like you you're, can't lose. Right. Like you're good. But if you're like me, where you have this foundation of contentment, and I'm not saying I'm perfect or that I don't have my days. I mean, my friends will tell you I have my days. My <laughs> husband will tell you that my mom, <laughs> you know, all the people, but I have this foundation. I know what I return to. I know what my default is. And then you get to like kind of play with life. It's like, what do I want to experience next? What do I want to bring to the world next? Now that I don't 
hate myself now that I don't, you know, sit down and go, well, <laughs> you better make sure this book is good enough. So try to write now with those expectations. Try to please every potential person who might hold a copy in their hands. Right. Write the book that is universally beloved, (laughs) (laughs) which is impossible to do. And like, good luck. And then I sit there staring at the blank page like, do people like the word the? Like, you know, it's like, uh, try it. Um, You know, it's like. Now I can just do the things that I want to do because I just want to do them. You know, like I want to see what it's like to like write a novel and see what it's like to, you know, do the next thing. And then I'll just go to that thing. And I made a course and then that was fun. And like all these things, because I'm not caught up in like, it really removes a lot of the chatter. It's like, you think, you think it's an abyss. But actually, it's like a magical surprise of life that you get back. And that makes sense because we're wasting all of our power and our energy and our time on all of the nonsense. Yeah. And it's a perfect, it's a perfect thing to, especially women, just like, yeah, you have all the rights. You're equal. You could do whatever you want. And now when... And now you're keeping yourself. You're the internalized, like it's the Mm. system is just working so perfectly. It's like, okay, we'll give you all the things, but um, we're going to make you feel shame about it. Constantly. Be your own. We will not keep you from your destiny. You'll be your own prison. Good. It works brilliantly. Uh, Like perfect way to suppress all sorts of movements oh my god it's just singing you know it's like whoever came up with it brilliant brilliant because it works it works so well like we're we're our own this whole thing where we joke like I'm my own worst enemy I hear that and I'm like oh babe like we don't have to be like that like it's not selfish to like yourself I promise like it's not arrogant it's not you know it's okay to like, know you have talent and are being, and there's valuable things about you. Like, that's beautiful. You know, I'm not like, I know there's certain, there's something, something very incredible about my book. Like I felt it when I was reading it. I don't know how it's going to be received from everyone, but I feel very good about it. Like, I feel that I put, I had a clear channel for it. I was ready to write it. Um, I put in the time I edited it. Like I did the things. And you should feel like, why on earth put a book out if you don't feel that way? And yet you just saying that is really radical. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like that's like, whoa, you know, and some people listening might be like, Oh, she's so full of herself. It's like, well, yeah, I am. Because like, I'm not going to be empty of myself. We need to hear it. I think we all need to hear more voices saying exactly that and and normalizing, just owning our achievements and owning the positives about ourselves because we have no problem owning the negatives. Oh, no. Oh, that's the easiest. But like, you know, you think about it, they're called, I think like, you know, I have gifts. I, I, and that's all to say I'm humble about like, I don't, there are certain things I am so not good at. Like (laughs) my husband the other day was telling me, he was like, 
he was getting so frustrated because I was, I'm so bad at the DoorDash app. Like this is the food <laughs> delivery app. Like I don't look for notifications. <laughs> they drop off the food at the wrong place. Cause I'm like never aware of it. And he's like, you're so good at a lot of things, but you suck at this app. And I was like, <laughs> I received that because like, I'm not trying to be good at everything. Like I could, t- yeah. can't tell you geography that well. I'm not good. I am not good at a lot of things, but I have my gifts. I have certain gifts that have been given to me and I have uh, that make me happy when I do them, when I give them time and space in my schedule. I don't have gifts so that I can give them all away to everyone else. Like they're called gifts for a reason because they're gifts for me. And yeah, then, you're meant to keep them. Yes, like you get to keep them. Like sometimes, especially with writers, for some reason, there's a lot of self-loathing. But like if you have a gift for writing that's like got to serve you first and then you share it with others. It's not like, like imagine what most people do is like, they say, I'll only believe this is a gift when other people like it. Yes. It's like, no, like I liked radically content before anyone else liked it because I enjoyed writing it. Like I loved it and it felt like a gift and it felt like I was able to really get myself into the process And that was for me first. And then it gets to go out into the world. Like every post I put on Instagram, it's a reminder to me first. It's something that I needed to hear. And then I just share it because otherwise all of these things that have external, some people will like it. Some people will follow me. Some people will unfollow me. Like I get unfollowed all the time. If I was going through that and going like, which post was it? How do I know? How can I never do <laughs> How that can I again? get them back? <laughs> yeah, it's like, leave. You know, if I'm not vibing with you, I'm good. You know, there's always more where that came from. Um, and I, I recognize this is a tough place to get to, but I think why I, I'm just not naturally like this. So it can be learned. That's the message that I really want people yeah. to know. This is not like Jamie out of the womb just had this like amazing (laughs) self-esteem. Like I struggled so much. I mean, so much. So it's not like I'm coming here saying, you know, I hate that when you're like, someone's writing a book, like find joy. And then they're like, first sentence, they're just like, naturally, I'm a very happy person. (laughs) (laughs) Being born a billionaire on a desert island. Right. Like all you need <laughs> to be super rich is to, you know, it's like Kim Kardashian being like, you <laughs> need to work. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, there's some people you just don't want advice on stuff from. <laughs> don't tell me. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, the, the book, only you could have written it because it needs someone who's been there to tell us. Yeah. And for it to be believable that it's possible. Like my brain was arguing as I was reading it, like, no but you can't actually <laughs> I, I love kept that. having to remind myself you were a real person. <laughs> yes, I know. And that's, I get it. You know, I, I think that probably there were times in my life where reading a book like that, I would be like, I don't know. But what I really believe too is like seeds get planted. So even yes. if something doesn't like fully, you're not like fully behind it yet. It's like, then you start to notice certain things. You start to go, wait, oh, I'm doing it again. Here it goes. Okay. Yeah. 
I remember that. I remember that from that and that, that, that and that's okay. Cause like, I think we need to give ourselves so much more grace than we do. Um, and that's not to say like, we need to always be like looking at ourselves in the mirror and doing affirmations, but like just being a little, a little nicer to ourselves because it's just what we think is going to be the payoff for that harsh dialogue and narrative that we have in our minds. It's not, it doesn't do it. Like, yeah, we have no evidence to support it. It has anymore. never done it. It has never done it. Like it never worked. Right. And we, what we do, instead of looking back, I'm so glad that I had like a moment of clarity that almost felt like kind of a divine intervention of showing me like, this does not work. Like you have, I had this moment of total clarity, like early 2017, where it was like, you have done so much and you still don't feel good enough. Like Mm. you have overwhelming evidence of things like the metrics that are supposed to matter, the, the virality of the internet. I mean, I had been doing things that were going quote unquote viral since like 2009. And I was still like, no, but it's not enough yet. Still not enough. And I was like, you got to stop. Like you got to stop this because I mean, this is something that it's kind of where radically content begins, where it was like, I just quit everything, almost everything. I was just like, I'm done. If, because I got to the point where I was like, if in order to achieve, I need to sacrifice all my happiness and joy, I'm done. I'll yeah, what's the point? That. No, what's the point? I don't get the, I don't get what the payoff is. Like, what's the prize? What's the payoff? What are they promising me? Because I had never experienced it. And I had done lots of things that yeah. should have done it for me. I recognize that. I recognize the crisis that comes from it. And I think we are all going to benefit so much from you sharing so generously what's happened for you since then. And, and the pandemic has just been the perfect catalyst, I imagine, for just bringing the rest of it to the surface. What is next for you to do joyfully and intentionally? What have you got coming up? I have some things coming up that I actually cannot talk about yet. Oh, which is, no. I know. <laughs> soon, though. Soon. Okay. Um, but there's a, like I said, there were three things that I always wanted to put into practice and that I always wanted to have my hands in three ways of telling stories and doing things. Uh, it had always been in my long-term vision and they're all coming to fruition sort of at once, which is a little nuts, but amazing. And so, um, that's, that's the next thing of, I think, um, the next few years is going to be a lot of practical application of all of this because I definitely, I wrote radically content at a time when almost as a response to a lot of these things not happening. Mm. And now it's been a different challenge. Truthfully. Now you've got a whole new classroom. Yes. To try it out. Right. When it starts becoming, now these external accomplishments and things are showing up that sort of like conventional view of success. 
And how am I going to be engaging with that through the lens of radical contentment? And like, that excites me that I'm in, it's been challenging. I've had periods of anxiety where I've needed to grow and change my mindset and change different things. Um, because something that I hold very dear is like the work is never done. Um, yes, that's exciting because if it's done, like you're dead, you know, that's it. Um, I want life to continue to be a classroom and a journey and continue to, you know, make me question things that I always took as truth and make me, you know, like there's always new fears that come up that I have to work through and think about that new, like, am I good enough? And then I'm like, okay, remember, we don't think that way. <laughs> we have to, like, <laughs> yeah, let's it's never done. Yeah. It's you not... never get to go, oh, finished. And that's close cool. that book. And, but the, see, the thing is, is that someone might look at that and hear that and go, oh, well then what's the point? It's like, mm. the point is then you're like in your life instead of on the outside of it. Yes. Waiting, waiting, waiting for everything to be good enough for you to step back in. Right. Like there's no waiting anymore. I mean, I'm going to have to rise to the level of these challenges. I'm going to have to heal to get myself to a point where like, I'm able to accept the things that are coming my way, like receive it and be confident with it. And that's fun to me because I'm not expecting that like, well, now I will never feel anxiety ever again. It's like, (laughs) no. I know I will and that's okay (laughs) well I think we're going to need you to come back and report back from the other side of this coin and let us know how it goes so I look forward to that conversation when your next amazing thing happens in the world and huge best luck for the book launch Um, it is available reminders of the date April 12th April 12th and that's everywhere globally all good bookstores and i'll make sure we include links to all of your work and all of your socials and everything else in the show notes thank you so much jamie i could talk to you all day long i know i was just thinking that we could talk forever so this was forever this was wonderful and i will definitely come back of course that would be so fun Show notes for this episode are at meandorlac.co.uk forward slash podcast 109, where you will find links to that Insta retreat class I spoke about and everything Jamie has shared today. I'll be back with you very soon with a new episode, and I hope you have an awesome week till then. Bye. Hi, this is Orla. Please can you subscribe to my mummy's podcast and leave a review to help my mummy. Thank you.